Kraken Fancast, a podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Kraken Fancast, a podcast dedicated to the new NHL franchise team, the Seattle Kraken. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'm joined with uh, Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, and in a little while we'll have uh, some insights and an interview. Uh, done by Luke Chelios, uh, but uh, just a little intro as we always do on our fan cast. If you're new to us, uh, we're, as I said, a fan cast or a podcast, sometimes even a webcast. We do some video things from time to time. Uh, we aim to explore every rumor mill, insider news bit and hockey related topics uh, about the Kraken. Uh, we aim to present this podcast monthly during the NHL off season and bi-weekly, aka every other week during the season although lately there's been so much to talk about we're already twice a month so uh hence hence you're seeing us a little bit more lately uh while we will talk about team news and our assessments of what's going on we also aim to not be a typical news outlet and we want to explore and chat about some different aspects of the kraken community which not only includes what's happening with the players and the team staff but also the fan community as well you can find us on uh, spotify podcasts and also apple podcasts we also have a youtube uh channel check us out crack and fancast please subscribe and follow us also on twitter instagram and facebook all right so uh since our last uh broadcast uh a lot of things have happened maybe arguably maybe not as big and notable there was no expansion draft no no uh, amateur draft and all that but still a lot of stuff happening in Seattle Kraken world. We have a couple of coach hirings, which we'll talk about in a little while, but well, you know, a lot of uh, tying up a lot of loose ends on uh, a lot of these players, a lot of the, uh, you know, just because we see uh, the team drafted some guys in the expansion draft didn't mean they're going to show up on the team. They got to sign all these guys, guys like uh, Jimmy Alexiak, Joel, John, excuse me, John Quinville, uh, Jaden Schwartz, Alexander True, Connor Carrick, William Borgen, Cole Lind, uh, Kale Fleury, et cetera. All these guys signing on the dotted line, official now Seattle Kraken. All these guys are anywhere from uh, one-year contracts, uh, like guys like Carson uh, Twarwinski, to uh, six-year contracts, uh, being Philip Grubauer, uh, one of our goalies. Uh, Philip, uh, his contract was a little bit of a hiccup, as some, some of you may have read. Uh, it was a little, uh, I don't know legalese things uh, with the NHL and some lawyers. It got straightened out in a couple of days, but uh, there, was, there was a little concern there, but that got straightened out. So all that sort of thing was happening. So when you go down all the transactions, you see all of these players that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, but there was one other name that jumped out that we didn't know about before. And that is one Marcus Johansson, a uh, center and winger. Uh, he's kind of split time at both positions over the years. Uh, they uh, got him. He was most recently with Minnesota Wild. Uh, Marcus Johansson, he's, uh, for a long time, he was with the Washington Capitals. He spent seven very solid seasons with them. He was a first-round draft pick of the Caps back in, uh, gee, what year was that? Uh, 2009. All right, so he's been, he's been in the league for quite a while. Uh, was, always had solid uh, offensive numbers for the Caps, but eventually got traded to New Jersey Devils where that was sort of the start of uh, his numbers and his uh, 
you know, uh, effectiveness went down a little bit. Oh, albeit fairly, he, you know, th to be fair, he was on some mediocre teams. He was dealing with some uh, injury issues, especially in his New Jersey days. He did end up on Boston uh, for uh, part of his season, uh, helped that. Uh, he certainly played a key role in that 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. He got uh, 11 points during that time, but it was a short-lived uh, time he was with Boston. Uh, he ended up signing a two-year contract with the Buffalo Sabres. Again, numbers, not, not too much uh, going on there. Uh, did end up getting traded in Minnesota from the Eric Stahl trade in September of 2020. And then uh, free agent and Seattle Kraken have uh, swiped them up. And, um, and this has been kind of an interesting discussion. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I've had with a number of people, Jim included, but you know, I, I, I think it's a, a good signing. I can say, but I'm not like blown away by it or I'm not, you know, super excited only because, I mean, a few years ago, I certainly would have, but his numbers have been a little down, but is that because of him? Is that because of injuries? Is that because he was on some poor teams? A lot can be explained. Uh, maybe I should be more excited about the Marcus Johansson signing. Jim, I'll start with you. Should I be, or am I? Is my meh uh, attitude, uh, you know, understandable? I think you're reasonable. When I heard it, I was uh, I automatically reflected to the playoff run of 2019 with the Bruins because I was watching all of that, and that happens to be one of my teams, obviously. I liked it. I liked it. I wanted him to sign. I wanted them to sign him back. Actually, I like a lot of people did. He, he kind of fit a nice role there on that third line. He, he's got some good, decent size. He doesn't have that incredible speed, but he's he protects the puck really well. That's one thing I notice about him. He works good in the corners. He sees the ice well, and I liked that out of him. I thought he was a decent playmaker and a, a good third liner. I'm happy with the contract at one five. That seems pretty darn reasonable for a one year deal. Yeah, that's not, it's not expensive. No. And, you know, with this expansion team taken off, you got to be crafty with that cap. And a lot of these uh, later signings in the last couple of weeks have been the low rent, uh, you might say, short contract, uh, second contracts for a lot of guys. They're out of that three year minimum entry level deal. So a lot of them are two ways. But with the Johansson, I think it was great. I think it'll work out fine. It kind of, He's a utility player, so he's center winger. We have a lot of that, actually, on this club when you break it down. Maybe like a third-line guy? Yeah, even fourth slotting in and out. It depends. So I, I've been looking at the depth a lot on this stuff. We're loaded in this center-slash-wing utility department, actually, which is fine. It's just going to make that bottom four or five slot a battle all the time, which is good. you know. And if you get some injuries, which is going to happen, it, it'll drop deeper than that into the five, six, seven range. But he's slotted right there, three, four, five, right in there, no matter what, on a rotation. I'm happy with it at one five. Cap's still in good shape. It jumped up quite a bit, obviously. I think it's a good little score there. Yeah, they still have plenty of room that we could see. There are still some free agents out there, so we could see some more signings. Although now that we're getting uh, closer and closer to September and training camp and you know the first ex ex uh, exhibition game is September 26th in Spokane. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they, they're going to have to wrap up the, the roster pretty soon, I would think. Well, I was also thinking that, too. We were on such a high for might as well roll it up to three weeks, you know, about maybe a couple of days leading up to expansion draft. And then we had three big events, you know, in a row. Everybody was just over the moon for like two, two and a half weeks. And then it slowed down when I was on vacation. It kind of slowed down. And so we're all coming back down now. And um I keep expecting something to happen, but I should just be happy with what I see. Well, it was so extraordinary what we went through, you know, expansion draft, this new team, 
48, what was it, 48 hours later, then, then you have the amateur draft. I'm like, my, my mind was spinning, uh, well, all of ours, for, you know, for a few days there. But so even though one could argue, actually, a lot of things happened, but, uh, and we've also learned a little bit more about our players. I want, I want to talk to Nathan about that in a sec. You know, it, it just, we had, it was just such an extraordinary week. You know, like we said, hockey Christmas. We, we it was. Many, 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 many times. Yeah, and, we, and we've gotten to learn a lot more. There've been more uh, interviews. I've been watching, you know, a lot of the, you know, Kraken released a lot of videos about uh, that they did with a lot of the new players, uh, the veteran players, uh, particularly, but even Matty Beneers, I saw one on him as well. And, uh, you know, we're getting to know these guys, understand them some clips from some of their past seasons have come up some some guys you know we're seeing some hard hitters nathan you know any anybody like you're like now okay maybe you were happy you know we we're pleased with the expansion generally but now you're like oh whoa maybe maybe there's somebody you're extra pleased about or or anybody you're like oh crap why did we get this guy you know what any new impressions you have well like i've said before on previous episodes i'm a big goalie fan I'm a big defensive fan, but let's not forget some goal scorers. Uh, one guy that stands out in particular for me from St. Louis, uh, Jaden Schwartz is from uh, Melfort, Canada, drafted, I believe, 14th overall in the 2010 entry draft. I think he was the lead goal scorer in the 2019 finals. He had some assists, but uh, he also had some penalty minutes too, but I'm looking forward to seeing him. I've mentioned, you know, Jamie Alexiak. I think we signed him to a five-year, uh, some $23 million contract or something crazy like that. You know, with Grubauer, I think he got, what, a six-year contract? Yeah, Grubauer, uh, yeah, six years. That's exactly right. Those are three guys I'm really looking forward to seeing. Schwartz got a five-year, and Alexiak is also a five-year. Yeah, those are my three favorite that I'm really looking forward to. You know, something from every aspect of the game. How much ice time? You know, Jaden Schwartz will get. I don't know if he's going to be kind of a, a line one, line two, but he's a winger. Uh, he's a goal scorer. He's not too selfish with the puck. He's going to do good things for us. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm excited, and I I'm still pinching myself over the Grubauer thing. I I still am like, I can't believe we got him. I'm just wow. Yeah, I agree. You know, at first in the expansion when it was uh, a Dreger, just. I was excited about that. And I thought, okay, well, maybe he's going to be the, the number one. And then when we got Grubauer, I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> maybe we've got, we've got a new starter. You know, I think Dreger will be, you know, every, every third or fourth game, you know, Grubauer is definitely a pickup that was very, very wise on our organization's part. Yeah. How, we, we talk about it, but we can't talk about it enough. How, how could you not? I mean, I don't think, you know, I think we've all surmised and you could even read between the lines with Francis. I mean, that was a little bit unexpected that he wasn't going to, you know, the avalanche couldn't sign him for what he wanted. And this is where it was really smart to keep the salary cap low. And people, you know, there were people, Oh, you didn't get carry price and spend all this money, blah, blah, blah. This is why. You know, this is to me, I made me more impressed with Ron Francis and the moves he made or the moves he didn't make in order to be able to sign Grubauer. And I, I felt the same way about Dreger. I was like, well, solid guy. I, I had him occasionally on, on for my fantasy hockey league that I used. So I already knew he was a solid guy. And man, that's to me on paper. I mean, granted, we'll have to wait and see, you know, but just on paper, that's one of the best goalie tandems in the NHL, and we're a brand new team. What? Stacked between the pipes. Absolutely. Cannot wait. Speaking of the pipes, this is a nice little segue. 
because um, for a long time we were like Lute was trying to guess who the coaches would be and you know and all that and you know some predictions but uh, uh, we finally got a goalie coach that you know there were a lot of guys that were kind of uh, bandied about but this guy Andrew Allen was hired on uh, I think around August 10th he had also been in the uh, Buffalo organization for a little while he was a former goaltending coach there uh, interesting guy about this and I remember this in the late 90s he was a goalie for this is a great trivia if any of you guys uh, love that stuff uh, uh, when he was a freshman netminder for the University of Vermont, which is always a powerhouse uh, uh, NCAA. Catamounts. Catamounts, that's right. 1998, he was the first NCAA goalie ever credited with scoring a game-winning goal. Great trivia. He did, it again, did it against Harvard. It was a goal late when the Crimson pulled its goalie for an extra attacker. He just wung it down the ice. Uh, nobody was there, and it went in. So uh, there you go, a little trivia there. Who, who, who's an NCAA goalie who... Who scored beyond that you know he's had uh, some coaching experience you know I can't say I know all, all the minutiae you know he's a 45 year old guy he's been in hockey for a long time obviously the, <laughs> the poor Buffalo Sabres goalies had a lot of practice over the last few years so uh could be a good good signing there and then also a very familiar name to me uh although he's usually in a because he was on a team I always rooted against uh the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins who's also a Sabres coach too was Dan Bilesma he is going to be the assistant at the, uh, well, for one year, the AHL affiliate for Seattle Kraken or the Charlotte Checkers of the AHL. They're sharing that team with the Florida Panthers. So there'll be Panthers prospects and Kraken prospects on that team. Uh, Bilesman will be working with uh, head coach Jordy Kinnear, who's part of the Panthers organization. That's an interesting pick. I was, that was a name out of the, out of the blue. He's had a ton of NHL experience. Interesting. He was willing to go to the AHL, I suppose. It's good to have some backup coaches in the organization who have some NHL down the way. But yeah, do you guys have any uh, thoughts on our new coach signings? Uh, I was doing a little research on Andrew Allen. He was hired back away as the, you know, the scout goaltending scout prior to the expansion draft. Right. I forgot to mention that he was with the organization before, right? Which is great. I mean, they grabbed him early. He was part of that situation and looking for tenders. What, I like what, what I'm looking at, all four of them right there, you know, this prospects coming up. Joey Decor, that's what he came in for. And then they just kind of slid him over right there to the coaching uh, goaltender coach, which was the third hire of uh, assistants after our guys from Boston and uh, after McFarlane and Leach, actually. Yeah. So, and he has, like you said, he worked in Buffalo and he's he brought up Olmark, which is, he's becoming a, quite a hot goaltender these days. And he just got traded to Boston. So we'll see how good he does on a winning club for once. And he, you're right, he has a nice, Worked throughout college, uh, St. Lawrence, NCAA, 2008 to 2011. Ton of uh, AHL experience. Played in uh, Providence, Binghamton, Hershey, Utah. Like you said, he played with the Catamounts, too. And apparently he was over in the East Coast or in Japan, international affiliate, did some work over there. So he's got some international teachings as well. You know, a goaltender coach is a goaltender coach. Yeah. Whenever you hear their names, you don't really know who they are, but this is a pretty good looking resume. So what? Yeah. You don't see them behind. I mean, they are really behind the scenes, right? I mean, when we see the, you know, what's all that's going on during a game, you get the two assistant coaches dealing with the line changes and everything. And there's a coach lording over it all. Where's the goalie coach? He is there, but, uh, and he has a very, very serious role. Yeah. And usually, you know, nobody knows the name. They, they didn't have outstanding numbers in the, in the bigs. Uh, most of them were cup of coffees, like you say. 
Bilesma was a surprise to me. I think it was a surprise to most people. We've talked about this before with other players and, and coaches, mostly coaches. You know, your name comes up. He was brought up during the, you know, head coaching by some people. Oh, I remember, yeah. And, I mean, he won a Stanley Cup in 09. He won Coach of the Year in 2011. Great. You wonder why these guys don't get hired and they weren't doing TV analysts. What are they doing? You know, that's happened a lot through coaches throughout the NHL in the last 15 years, but sent them out to Charlotte and uh, big name for an assistant for sure. But if you can't get an NHL gig or whatever, and you're waiting around, nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and get to know some of the prospects a little bit, that could be, you know, we can't guarantee that, but it could be a nice transition to Palm Springs, yeah. which will start the, the next year. Yes. And we're, and we're all going to Palm Springs, right guys? We're having an old field trip. That's the plan. I, I kind of dig it. I'll be the designated driver. I'll, I'll volunteer right now. I'll take a shift on that. Sounds good guys. So yeah, so more, more will be happening in the coming days, no doubt. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll get talking about all that. But speaking of talking, we got a lot of talking here from our man Chelios, Luke Chelios uh, chatter and a Luke Chelios chat coming up. Uh, Luke's going to chat a little bit about um, you know some of the latest on the salary cap and some little um, ins and outs about that. And then we finally have our presenting, well, I guess this is actually our second interview ever. Very happy to interview with uh, Tim Pipes a while ago, which we posted on our uh, YouTube channel. Tim Pipes, who owns the Angry Beaver Bar, one of our favorite homes we like to go to. Uh, but also, uh, a few weeks ago, Lute was uh, able to connect with a longtime minor league uh, player, longtime minor league coach, and uh, also someone very prominent in the Northwest hockey community, Marcel Como. So Marcel has uh, great insights on just history of hockey in the region. He was a uh, coach for many years in the old uh, Tacoma Rockets team, uh, which Jim will talk about in a little while. He's very, very aware of. And um, and obviously Marcel, I'm sure is uh, super psyched about the Seattle Kraken as well. So Luke's going to talk with him a little bit about that. So Luke, take it away. Luke Chelios here. How's it going, eh? It's August, and we're talking Kraken hockey. We're reaching sixty thousand plus fans now around the world. So shout out to fans in my groups, the Kraken Fancast on Facebook, over eleven thousand fans. The Kraken Fan Hub. Seattle Kraken fan page, 27,000 fans started about three years ago. A guy named Adrian started it up, and uh, we've been all contributing to that page for a long time. The Palm Springs AHL Kraken page, there's about 300 people in there. We haven't even got a team in Palm Springs yet. And the official Kraken fans, there's another 11,000 plus there. And the Squid Squad, a small little group of squidders. So you guys all rock. Thanks for joining our podcast here tonight. It's, it's mid-August, so there's a little less news to talk about. It's not quite as hyped up as it was in July. It was intense. We had weeks and weeks of cracking news, cracking drafts, expansion draft, the entry draft, two days, and then the free agency, which really carried for a few days. Hey, made some nice selections there. Some of my favorites, Brandon Tanev coming in, Vince Dunn signing a big contract with us, going to lead our power play in our defense in the next couple of years. Grabbing Gruby, Philip Grubauer, a top three Vezina goalie in free agency. Just amazing. I mean, we could have gotten some James Neals and some Jim Rant. <laughs> Try and say that one fast. James Rand Reamsdyke. I'm glad I'm not a Everett Fitzhugh trying to say that name 16 times a night. Anyways, shout out to uh, Sweden, Lars, Anders, Lucas, Pear, 
bunch of you folks over there. People in Germany, Bjorn, Canada, Anish up in Vancouver. We've got people in Alaska, JP in the East Coast, Sean out in Ontario, Switzerland, Anthony, and uh, I think Shania Twain's even listening to us in Switzerland at that, that big castle. So in Finland, we got Yua, Yari, and the boys in Tempere. Shout out to Daniel, future NHL hockey player. He's probably about 15 now. Oh, yeah, I'm back to Sweden. Anders, Blumkis, Kid Jeff. Could be a top five NHL draft pick in about three years coming along. Friends of the Kraken fan cast. So today, Kraken fans, we're going to talk about salary, salary cap. Nothing exciting, really. It's middle of the summer. Just a little bit of update on some numbers and some news. So the NHL has allowed each team to spend up to $80.5 million in cap space. Today, the Kraken are at 77.09. You know, we've got about $3.5 million left, so there could be an additional body or two that comes in um, before training camp and during training camp, possibly the last couple of days before the Kraken open up October 12th in Vegas, game one of the 21-22 NHL season. So we've got about $3.5 million of cap to play with. Still could add another nice player or two, and we'll see. They might have a couple of PTOs. What's a PTO? A professional tryout contract, basically a walk-on at training camp. Before we know it, 31 total contracted Kraken players will gather at Northgate Iceplex, possibly a few of these walk-on players as well, and a few of the draft picks that aren't tied into NCAA or European contracts. For Dave Haxtell's first Kraken training camp. Well, that's about a little bit of news update in the summer. The other guys did a good job earlier in the show telling you about some of the new players and some uh, events coming up. We're about 30 days away from training camp, so get ready to go crazy. It's Kraken Hockey soon. Thanks for joining us in mid-August for the Kraken Talk. Next up, meet a saddle hockey legend. Welcome to Chelios Chats with Marcel Como, expansion team for the Tacoma Rockets of the Western Hockey League. Marcel, you came to Tacoma in 1991. Tell us a little bit about your hockey career and how you ended up in Tacoma. Well, um, I was originally drafted by Minnesota. Um, ended up playing for a farm team of theirs in the International Hockey League in Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, played there for a long time. Uh, ended up coaching there a little bit. Uh, player coach, actually, a little bit, which is a bit unusual at that point in time. Player coach right out of Slap Shop movie, okay? Exactly. That's what a lot of the guys used to call me, Reg there, Reg Dunlop from, uh, from Slap Shot. So. Absolutely. Well, the Seattle Kraken hockey fans, they know Slap Shot, the movie. They're going to love this story. You're our first guest, our premier launch of Chelios Chats out of Seattle, Washington. Take it away, Marcel. Uh, from there, I guess I, I started coaching in the Western League. I was in Calgary for a year and then uh, Saskatoon for five years couple years in the American League uh, in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, okay, uh, wait a second. You coached Saskatoon Blades. Was there a top player, maybe a number one draft pick that you coached into the NHL? Well, whether or not I coached him into the NHL or not, I don't know. But Wendell Clark played for me there in Saskatoon and uh, also his brother, Kerry. And uh, so uh, he was quite a player. Obviously, well, congratulations on that. That's looking back at your career. I uh, just have to tell the Kraken fans here, uh, Marcel and I were both born in Edmonton, Alberta, up in a great country of Canada across the border where hockey pretty much was born and lives today. 
Uh, Marcel went to Saskatoon. I followed him there as a kid. Uh, we moved to Saskatoon. I played uh, hockey on the outdoor rinks. I grew up watching Bernie Federico and Brent Ash in Saskatoon. Uh, my team was the Winnipeg Jets. Marcel Como later became the Winnipeg Jets scouting director, probably the best one in the National Hockey League today. He's built the Winnipeg Jets, uh, maybe going to the Stanley Cup this year. We'll see. And now we're both in Seattle and uh, back to Seattle. Let's talk about the Tacoma Rockets. Yeah, well, they, uh, the Western League uh, brought Tacoma as an, in as an expansion team in 1991. I was the first coach and I guess the only coach here in in Tacoma. Uh, we were here for four years and then the team moved to Kelowna, British Columbia. And uh, I moved that year with the team. My family didn't move. We stayed here. I had two girls in school and the uh, future was a little bit uncertain there and stuff. So um, they stayed here and, and I went up there to coach. I coached the Canadian World Junior Team that year in Boston and uh, great experience I had there. So I was gone for part of the season there in, in Kelowna. And then an opportunity became available here in Seattle as the executive director of Snow King Amateur Hockey Association. and uh, No uh, kidding. Snow King Amateur Hockey. Check out snowkinghockey.com. They have a new arena here in Snoqualmie. And uh, so from Snow King, how did you end up back in the NHL as a scout? Well, I started uh, scouting part-time a little bit. Uh, a guy I knew that had his own independent scouting service. And then he became the uh, the director of amateur scouting for the Atlanta Thrashers when Atlanta came into the to the NHL and he hired me to do some some uh, work for Atlanta then at that point in time so I was okay. a part-time scout there for a couple of years and then a full-time opportunity okay. became available and uh, and I took it and started scouting uh, full-time in uh, 2000. So who was that? Was that Dan Marr? That uh, was Bob Owen actually. Bob Owen, okay. Yeah, yep. Bob Owen. Uh, Dan Marr was the head scout but uh, Bob Owen was the director of amateur scouting and he's a guy I'd worked for before doing some scouting part-time uh, for an independent scouting service that he had. Okay, so every hockey player that grows up, most of us know that we're never going to make the NHL or even this, you know, the Saginaw IHL team. Uh, most of us want to be scouts. Uh, What's it like? Uh, did you live in Seattle and then just uh, travel around the world from this home base from SeaTac Airport? Yep. Uh, we, you know, we moved here in 91 and they're still in the same place, same house. And, uh, um, you know, we were about 20 minutes from the airport here and stuff. So uh, as you move up the scouting ladder a little bit and get a little bit more responsibility, the travel uh, grows. And, you know, we were fortunate to be fairly close to the airport here because they did spend a lot of time on the road. Well, no kidding. I'm in Queen Anne and it is quite a trip in the morning traffic to get to SeaTac out in Tacoma um, from downtown Seattle. So, um, well, welcome to the Kraken FanCast. This is our first chat, the expansion hockey coach to the Tacoma Rockets, Marcel Como. And uh, before we wrap it up here, um, what do you think is going to happen here with the Seattle Kraken going forward in the first year? We have the tickets sold out. We waited about 600 days for a team and Tomorrow night, we get the lottery ball. Tell us a little bit about going into a lottery ball uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. In 2017, I was sitting outside a store in Winnipeg called Winners on the radio, and it was down to Toronto and Winnipeg for the first ball. And, uh, hey, the second ball ended up uh, being Patrick Line. So tell us a little bit about that excitement. Well, it's a nervous time for all, and obviously when you're in the – lottery scenario you're putting your list together but you don't really have uh you don't know for sure where you're drafting yet so at least it's settled uh after the lottery's over you have you know you know where you're going to be picking and you can concentrate a little bit more on making sure your list is where you want it to be and um you know certainly that was a 
a great opportunity for the Jets to move up and take uh, Patrick Liney, although he's no longer still with the team. Uh, Patrick Liney and Jack Ross Lovick, who we drafted, turned into uh, Eric Dubois. Fabulous picks. Uh, Jack Roslovic had played with Austin Matthews with the U.S. junior team. I knew a little bit about him. He had a great shot and uh, nice for him to go home. Americans love uh, hockey in small markets. Jack Roslovic got to go home to Columbus, Ohio. A fantastic trade by Chevy to send a young American kid to a place where he can market the team. And it's not always about your own team. Sometimes it's about being a great, um, a, a great team in a great league in the NHL. And I think Ron Francis here of uh, the Seattle Kraken is starting out with a fantastic staff. We're hiring a diverse staff of, um, uh, you know, there's some women joining the team. Ray Ferraro's wife, Cami Granado, has been hired as the first lady scout. Um, so it's come a long way. You must be very proud of the, uh, the NHL these days. And uh, for the first time ever, the Seattle Kraken have a black uh, hockey announcer, Everett Fitzhugh, has moved into Seattle. And it's all about diversity. Maybe we will have a few uh, indigenous players that have played through here. I think of the name Ethan Bear. Um, there's a young T-bird that I'm in love with. Uh, I, I know the family well out of Winnipeg. Connor Roulette, star of the T-birds, went to the Canadian uh, under-18 this year. And um, I'm just hoping that, yeah, this is a shout-out to Preston and the boy. Um, I'm hoping that the Kraken maybe can move up in the late first round in an expansion deal and bring Connor Roulette into uh, Seattle. So that's a little bit of Chelios chat and from my heart. And uh, one last story before we wrap it up here today. My childhood friend, he will be the next guest on Chelios chat. Um, chat number two was Phil Russell, my babysitter in Edmonton. And how it goes, the way I've followed you around and things, uh, six degrees of separation. You and Phil Russell played a year uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings in 71-72. I had a wonderful chat for about an hour yesterday with Phil up in uh, Spring Lake, Michigan. And he said, you say hi to my buddy, Marcel Como. I last saw him at an NHL draft. And uh, you believe you went golfing at the Traverse City Tournament uh, up in Michigan a while ago. And we're going to bring Phil Russell to the Angry Beaver Bar, have a coffee together, and uh, watch the Jets on TV play the Kraken or maybe live at the game if Ronnie Francis can set us up with some tickets. Thank you for your time today, Marcel. And uh, right now it's go Jets go. And in a few months, it's go crack and go all the time. Thank you for moving back to Seattle uh, after your career ended and being part of our junior hockey local community. And I'm sure the kids that, uh, that meet you um, are very proud of your past uh, building the Snow King Amateur Hockey Program. And uh, thanks to you and your wife today for joining us on the first episode of Chelios Chats. Remember, keep your stick in the air and celebrate those goals. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, Lute. That was a great report and great interview. Thanks so much to Marcel Como for uh, joining us on that. Um, oh, before I forget, though, this is also very, uh, very important. Um, before we go on, uh, talk a little bit about our sponsors. Uh, we want to... Uh, Mind you all that the Kraken Fancast is brought to you by the Angry Beaver, which I just mentioned a little while ago. Seattle's own and only Canadian hockey themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Remember, you can join the Kraken Fancast crew periodically at the Angry Beaver on select game days. Uh, the Fancast is also brought to you by Tail Art. Tailart.com. Tail is a local artist who's painted custom Kraken paintings on behalf of Kraken Fancast. Uh, as well as for uh, general manager Ron Francis and coach Haxtall. 
check out Teo Alfonso's unique Kraken hockey paintings at teoart.com and they make a great gift for any Seattle Kraken hockey fan. Okay, so that's that with that. But uh, before you forget, Marcel Como, uh, you've had some cross the paths a bit with, uh, with him, Jim, is that right? Oh yes, to a degree for sure. So I have lived in Tacoma for some time and we got our WHL expansion uh, back in 91 for the Tacoma Rockets, which was like a bringing back the original Rockets from the 50s uh, in the old Pacific League. But they were uh, granted uh, in 91 and they ran for five years to 95. It was a great experience. I had season tickets. Uh, we'd take the family off and in Marcel, I got to meet him, his coaching staff, and a lot of the players over the years, mostly at, at uh, season ticket holder events, you know, prior to the season type of deal. Uh, but I also got to meet him a few times, quite a few times, actually, down at the rinks, both rinks in town here, Sprinker out down south, and then down on the Tide Flats when they uh, they renovated an old paper warehouse and turned it into a hockey rink that was the best ice in the entire West Coast, to be honest with you. They used to run practices down there. I was at the time coaching a Bantam AA traveling uh, team, and we would often take the ice after them. So there was a lot of crossover stuff. He had he was quite successful here. It is, his first run, the first year was not great, but it was an expansion team. More important, they set all-time WHL attendance records in the Tacoma Dome because it was a big building, way bigger than your average four to six thousand seat WHL or CHL. And when they played Seattle, the place, I think they sold 15, right around a little over 15,000 seats. And they were huge battles in that place. And it was just, uh, it was really good time for the hockey community down here since they never really had it. And it was after the Tacoma Stars had left the soccer team. So they needed something down here. And they moved that team, I see like 95, 96. And that's the team that moved to Kelowna. Exactly. It's the same team. And of course, they took off there ever since. They've, they've done incredible. They've won Memorial Cups. Uh, the Hamiltons that were the ownership group. Uh, the, the brother of the Hamiltons actually played with him too out at Sprinker and some pickup hockey. But very impressive. Second year uh, had a set another record: twenty-four straight home game wins. I can remember walking wow. out. Of that, I can remember walking out of that building talking to a buddy that I worked with, saying, "Man, this is getting this is something." We didn't even know how many games we had won. It was just happening so frequently. It was something weird. And uh, that Marcel Como was part of that. And he was uh, voted coach of the, the Dunk Callum Memorial CHL, CHL, the whole umbrella league of the WQ and the, the O for a coach of the year. And that year, the, the home record was 36-6-0. So it was quite impressive. They had some playoff runs, usually got kicked out in the first round, but they made it to the second round, the third year, I believe. It was a good time. And unfortunately, financial situations and the configuration of that building didn't lend itself to a long running tenure there. And I think some other things went on that were not talked about in the papers, but they scooted on. I was bummed, of course. Uh, but like I said, you, you know, another thing cool about that team is he coached some great players. A lot of them got drafted to the NHL. Some of them had some decent careers. Uh, Mikhail Sikoris at San Jose Sharks. Kyle McLaren was drafted by the Boston Bruins. I watched him on a nightly basis. Vakla Verada, Buffalo. Uh, and then a lot of the, his players ended up living here because they loved it. Uh, I ended up playing senior leagues and summer hockey sometimes with Lori Billick, Mike Pearsall, Trevor Cairns, Jamie Butt, and he still lives here and still plays. And his son plays for the Silver Tips. So when they came here, they sold hockey and they did well. And the association built around him and changed the name from Tacoma Amateur to Tacoma Junior Rockets. So it was a big deal. And he was part of that. It's great you get to watch that. Yeah. I wish I had. 
but we'll have we'll have Seattle Kraken hockey to watch just in a little while. We're only yeah. a month away from exhibition games. Are you guys going to any of the exhibition games? Do you guys have plans on that, Nathan? Uh, I'm not going to any of the exhibition games. I did look up some tickets and I I almost uh, pulled the trigger, but you know I I got to be honest and I'm sorry, but I just uh, it was it was a little rich for my blood. So yeah, and you might maybe as we get a little closer, it might some things get they can always change around yeah fear not sometimes you know because right now it's you know this is another thing we can talk about a little bit too uh, before we wrap up is the whole ticket thing uh for regular season and exhibition um you know many people are, are saying what you mentioned just now nathan and uh you know i can't help but think it's um i mean it's demand and that fair enough if there's demand is demand but you know like seeing you know Three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollar tickets for opening day. I know it's a historic day, et cetera, and that's an extreme ex- example. But I mean, I'm even looking at you know tickets that are probably a hundred seventy, hundred eighty dollars being sold for for later games for like five hundred dollars. And I haven't looked at the exhibition uh, tickets. What 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 were you seeing? Were were they were they like over two hundred or something? Or where were they at right now? I, I mean, I was seeing three hundred and fifty eight for nosebleed seats. I get it. I mean, you got to you got to remember too when uh, when the Seahawks left the Kingdom and they went to their new stadium. You had all those season ticket holders that were grandfathered in. You've got costs you have to cover. You've got new contracts you have to cover, and uh, ticket prices went way up for the first year or two. They started to fizzle out and go down. You know, for what you were paying four hundred dollars, now you can get for. 85, 90 bucks. It's going to be the same way. Give it a year or two. Everybody will be able to get a seat. But uh, Jim mentioned one time it, it could be a while before uh, anybody, you know, from not around here gets a ticket. And uh, what I did, and not that this really helps our organization too much, but my wife and I actually went ahead and got a couple tickets to the uh, game up in Vancouver, April 26, spent $308 for two tickets, get to see the team. And uh, yeah, it won't be at Climate Pledge, but uh, I'll definitely be there rooting for them. And I'm hoping you guys might get some tickets to that game too, so we can all get together. Oh, I'd love it. Uh, you know, the uh, Jim and I both have, have a lot of t- tickets being season ticket holders and all. But I mean, and you know, Jim, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, some of these prices have got to be just sort of testing the waters, a little, a little bit of greed opportunist uh, thing. I, I can't help but think, well, I should, I won't assume because nothing, you know, nothing will surprise me we see what happens in toronto where like no regular fan the average fan can get a ticket to that it's just like the demand and the price is ridiculous and all the tickets are wrapped up and i hope that doesn't happen here in seattle but i can't help but think that maybe some of these prices are going to you know come a little bit more down earth. oh i agree uh going back to the first question yes i have exhibition for seattle against the flames kind of have a conflict that night so i may be leaving the building a little early if it just doesn't look right, I'll get my tickets to Nathan or something. It doesn't matter. Well, oh, <laughs> my daughter's part of the other thing that we're going to. So she's she's pumped up to go to bowls. She says, let's just do it. Yeah, let's get let's do something about that. Anyway, yeah, that whole ticket thing. You, Chris, you've heard me fuss about this. I I think people are fishing big time. I know many people that have tickets and they're actually looking at that and they put some up. Of course, when they did, they put them on the higher end and they're not getting any action at all. I'm watching a lot of the boards and groups on Facebook and people are, the chatter's going on and there's not much movement. I don't see, in my opinion, there's no way an upper bowl seat in any venue anywhere expand or new team 
opening night, all the hoopla should ever outpace a Stanley Cup upper bowl ticket, period. That being said, here we are a little less than 60 days out, right? I see them dropping. But yes, we are in a region with more money than anywhere else where people just have it falling out of their pockets. I can see some dumb purchases for sure that are going to hold a little bit, but it's got to drop. There's no way. I mean, I've looked at the seats sitting right next to us. Like you said, I know one thing, he's buying beer opening night, right? So Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that, you know, and I think that uh, a lot of things come up last minute. So that's what, you know, sometimes I've got my best deals like 24 hours before a game or even the day of the game. So that's never a guarantee, but keep an eye out. We'll keep an eye out for you, Nathan. Yeah, the problem is, is more people have to do that. They have to be that last hour type of person. You just They don't want to because they want to be there. They want to be involved and they're so jacked up and excited. They want to have that insurance that it's already in their back pocket, but it'll come down, I'm sure. If not, you can play the tape, okay? There you go. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, we'll wrap things up right now on the latest Kraken fan cast. Again, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please join us about every other week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, periodically on YouTube channel. And you can also um, follow us on our Facebook page under Kraken Fancast, Instagram, and also Twitter. Please join us on Twitter as well. We stay quite active on that. Uh, it's Kraken Fancast. So thanks for listening. We'll be back up in a couple of weeks. And as always, go Kraken! Go Kraken! Kraken.